is a spiritual concept that when an action or a good deed comes into your life, you have to grab it. And it's actually very dangerous not to, because you don't know if that opportunity is going to come back again. It might be that, you know, this person to whom you have a debt from the previous incarnation comes into your life today. And if you send them away, who knows if you'll ever have that chance again. Welcome to Spiritually Hungry. Again. Again and again and again. We are going to continue our discussion that we started in episode 124, which we released two weeks ago. So if you missed that episode, we recommend going back and listening to that episode first and then jumping into the conversation today. Or, or not. not. <laughs> up to you. Completely up to you. So in case uh, anybody needs a refresher on what reincarnation is, obviously we all have an idea. But to sum it up, it's a cycle of birth, evolution, death, and birth again. Our souls are constantly undergoing a process of transformation without being limited by time to any particular body. Which might be scary for some people because they might feel really attached to their bodies as they are in this lifetime. So I thought something was Which really... Which is kind of silly because we all know that this body is impermanent. I don't know. At least for the time being. Just pointing out feelings. So I want to pick up well, I know you know, on like me, something. If I can just say, to the, my point to that is that uh, is that once we accept that the body is impermanent, obviously we should focus our lives on the things that are permanent, which is a whole other discussion. But I think I, know, it's, I think it's very much part yeah. of this discussion, actually. Right, because clearly, to spend even a hundred years focused on the body is not going to lead to anything that's permanent, anyway. But there are other things we can do, focus on the soul, or at least doing and, and, and manifesting permanent things in this world, whether it's something we leave, something we create, that is at least towards more permanent. Right, it's an interesting uh, idea, because people pursue that, that perfection, right? That chase of physicality, body, when it's what we don't take with us. So, speaking of uh, what we actually now bring with us, we're born, when we're born, it's not with a blank canvas, right? Because I want to kind of, we said something really powerful in that last episode, and I wanted to unpack it just a little bit. So, I think if you ask any parent, they can attest that when a child comes into the world, they have their own unique personalities, their desires, certainly. It's one of the things that I often say to people, is that you have to believe in something beyond what we would call seen nature, because, you know, we have four kids, not one of them is like the other. So even if you believed in nurture and nature, that doesn't account for the vast differences between kids born to the same family, to the same parents. Clearly, there's something else involved. Yeah, there's that great documentary, Three Identical Strangers, right? that posits, you know, what's more nurture versus nature. And then this adds a whole other layer to that conversation. Yeah, if we would look at our kids, I think that there are things that they appreciate, right? That they enjoy, certainly how the relationship with us is. But I think a lot of that is based on what they were exposed to, right? And and the environment. But certainly, they're they're very different. Every single one of them. Absolutely. We can experience different relationships with the same people lifetime after lifetime. We can even be. We can even bring uncompleted work with us from past lifetimes, but we also bring the goodness we have done. And the light we reveal in this lifetime and any of our previous lifetimes is eternal, meaning it never goes away. So you're able to access all of that light from a previous incarnation in this one. 
It becomes part of who you are. What I thought was interesting, and this is what I want to unpack is, I mean, that's the great news, right? All the light that you've ever generated or created. But the same is not true for negativity. Right? right. And if I can just add, when we say we can access it, but it doesn't mean we're necessarily in touch with it all the time. Right? So, so just to use numbers, like let's assume my ta- the task of my soul is to grow from 1 to 100. Right? And in last incarnation, I went from 1 to 30. So, I'm born in a level 30 of soul, and I have 70 to go. I don't necessarily feel the 30 that I've completed all the time. It's there for me to access, but it's not always an experience that I have. But you start at 30 again. Yes. So, you start at 30, and then our job, right, which is part of this discussion on reincarnation, is to rediscover that which we've already learned, knew, created, experienced, and, and then upon. add on to right. that. Right. So, it reminds me of a story in the Midrash that an angel teaches all the souls the secrets of the universe before they are born. The teaching says that angel that an angel lights a candle so the soul can see from one end of the cosmos to the other. And then as soon as a baby's born, the angel lightly taps the child's lip and they forget everything. By the way, do you know what that little part of the the lip is called? What's it called? Do you know? No, I don't it's know. It's called a philtrum. Philtrum. Yes. So that's a little part as it said that the angel touches and then we forget everything that we know. And I think it really underlines the point of coming back to learn everything we already knew, right? To rechoose, to relearn, to even unlearn some things from past and experiences. Correct. And correct. <laughs> okay, your turn. Okay. Yeah, go. No, so I was going to say that, you know, we, we spoke about the fact that um, if you look at your life through the frame of reincarnation, then it gives you a different perspective on what we need to do. For, so, for example, if I understand that it's not enough for me to be a good person, right? That I actually have specific actions that I need to take, specific areas of life that are places that I need to fix. So, you know, let's say one person has a challenge, he or she doesn't like to confront other people. That's an indication, right? How do you know what you're here to correct? You have to find those parts of you that are more challenging. So, those parts of you that are more challenging are an indication of your correction. So, if you spend your whole life doing those things, even good things, that are easy for you, and you don't find, by looking inside, what are those things that are challenging for you, then you're not actually achieving the purpose of this life. So, I think it's important. And, and, and also, related to that, there are people who come into our lives. I was, we, we had a meeting last week with some of our students in Los Angeles, and I shared what, to me, is a very important idea. You know, we think that people come into our lives coincidentally, and I have a choice to help them or not to help them. And if I don't help this person, I'll help somebody else. But the reality is, if you understand that every person who comes into your life is not a coincidence. It is very likely a continuation of a relationship, a deep one or not deep one, but some relationship that you had in a previous incarnation. And you actually have a debt to them that you owe them, and therefore to help them. So, it really changes our perspective on on how we interact with other people, especially those who come into our lives and need our assistance. It takes do you remember a, that day to day? Do I remember that day to day? I try to. I try to. I think. I think the the understanding is that this person isn't just happened by coincidence to come into my life and asking for this assistance or that assistance or needing my help in some way, but that I actually have a debt to them. 
And therefore, there's a, there's a spiritual concept that when an action or a good deed comes into your life, you have to grab it. And it's actually very dangerous not to, because you don't know if that opportunity is going to come back again. It might be that you know this person to whom you have a debt from the previous incarnation comes into your life today, and if you send them away, who knows if you'll ever have that chance again. Mm-hmm. And if you look at your life that way, that everything is, is, is prepared in such a way that the people coming in and the actions that are needed are ones that are either a correction or a repayment of a debt, or in my assisting of this soul, this is how my soul elevates. There are no, it takes a little bit away from the free choice that we think we have from our interactions with people. And especially the bad interactions. I mean, the, you know, we usually make it about that person or we blame them or, you know, I don't, I didn't deserve this. I don't know why it's coming to me. But in fact, if you look at it this way through this lens, it's like, oh, thank you. I, I'm now one step higher on the ladder of wherever I need right, to correct. Right, or like related to the story that we shared the last podcast, right? If somebody comes over, or I often try to think about this, when somebody comes up to me, let's say, or, or, or does something negative, it might just be that this is how I repay my debt that I had to them in a previous incarnation. And therefore, it t- changes your perspective on the negative things that people do to us. And it also changes the perspective on the free will that we think we have on, on running to help somebody else or assisting people that come into our lives for assistance. There are no coincidences. Every single person who comes into our life is probably because in a previous incarnation, either we owed them or had a relationship with them. This is another, another example that I used. You know, we all have, we have those of us who have children, the children we have in this incarnation. And there's nothing that we wouldn't do to help them. But the reality is, or if it's our father or mother or brother or sister, in a previous incarnation, we also had a family. And we also had parents, and we also had siblings, and we also had children. And I think people tend to assume that whoever was their parent might be their child now, but that close group of five people is now in a rotation and different. I think, but I think that's what most people believe. Yeah, because not there's such a closeness and a love and an affinity. You can't imagine having a lifetime without them again. Right. But that's not necessarily the case. It is the case that most probably they're going to come into your life in one way or another. They might be your friend. They might be somebody who's coming to you for help. So if you think about your relationships in that way, then of course I should be running to help anybody who, quote unquote, coincidentally comes into my life for assistance, because maybe they're my child from a previous lifetime. Maybe they're my father from a different uh, previous lifetime. The, those relationships we said before are not coincidental. Those, those people who come into our lives are not coincidental, not just in what they need from us now, but also in their relationship to us. So they might have been our best friend in the last incarnation. Maybe they were our child. And if and we don't know, right? But if you start looking at your life in this way, it gives much greater importance to the quote-unquote people, coincidental people that enter, enter into your life. I hear what you're saying. I think that's just so interesting. If you think about the amount of love you have for your children, right? Or for your partner, assuming you're in a great relationship, you can't imagine lo- loving other people like that, right? And even in another lifetime, like to that level, or not being with the people that you love so much, like it's a, it's a painful idea. But I guess it's not because we go back to the conversation of root of soul. If you're part of the same network of soul, it doesn't present. I mean, we're so limited in our in our viewing because those souls are just in these specific bodies. We'll find these souls or other roots of the same soul depending on where we are meant to correct in that lifetime. Yeah, which, which I guess I never really looked at it like that. Right. And also, I think it leads to another important idea, which is not so much related to reincarnation, but it's related to what we're talking about now, that 
most of us live in a low state of love, which means that even the love that we feel towards our spouse, our children, our friends, our capacity, our potential capacity is much, much greater than that. But that it takes work. It's part, it's part of the spiritual development to, to grow our capacity for love. I would say the following. All of us have somebody in our lives who really, really love. Maybe it's our spouse, maybe it's our child, maybe it's our parent. First of all, your love for them is meant to be 10, 100 times greater. But that same love that you're feeling right now towards your spouse or your child is actually the same, same and greater love you're meant to feel for other people as well. I think that a big part... And you're that, saying are able to. Are, and are able, and you're certainly potentially capable, but it has to be developed. And I think we don't often, again, to your point, I don't think we often understand the importance of the work of expanding our capacity for love. We say, well, I love this person, I don't love that person. You know, and it's sort of a, as if love is a static reality, and, and it either exists or does not exist, as opposed to understanding that love is a capacity that we're meant to grow in our lives, and, and that most of us, all of us, I would say, are at a lower frequency of love than we're meant to have, even to those closest to us, but certainly to those who are distant from us. No, it's completely backwards, because people just save that for the people that are closest to them, or that live in their house. And it's funny, because I had that thought today, I was meeting with a student, and she was talking about her mom, and, and they really have a close relationship. And, and I started thinking, and it wasn't about that person, but then I started thinking about our kids, and of course we influence them, but also we're raising them in a way that they're connected to many people and and that it's expansive. Do you know what I mean? I had the thought that most people save those best parts of themselves just for a select two or three. And yes, you need to guard yourself and certainly only certain people are worthy of of receiving that. But this is a whole different way of yeah. really looking. No, it's I mean, I I know this and I knew this on some level, but the idea of I think I think I never thought that because again, the, the people that I, I love, I just love so completely. It's like, it's part of me, right? But I understand the context of the soul, the root of soul, but still, you know what I'm saying? You can't imagine that be different. Well, actually, it reminds me of a very important teaching, and that is that we love ourselves, usually, first and foremost. Well. <laughs> Most people, hopefully. But what is meant to happen, and this is spiritual development, it's not that now I love me, but now I know, oh, it's important for me to love you too. Oh, it's also important for me to love that other person. The idea is that my view of myself becomes more expansive, that, that you and I are now one, or at least close, and therefore my love for myself now expands to you. And I have a child. My love for me expands to them. So what's actually happening in life Extensions. is that is that exactly is that my my field of love that begins with myself grows includes one more person your husband or spouse includes your children includes your family includes your friends includes and and that's really one of the most important processes in life is to expand my field of care and love and I think, I think it's an important question for our listeners to ask themselves. Am I stuck in the love that I feel? Or am I actively pursuing, growing my field of love, not only to encompass more people, 
but even to the people that are within that realm right now, am I finding new ways to deepen that love? And then, yes, am I also expanding it to more and more people? We get so stuck on uh, hurt. If they hurt us in the past, then you know I'm not going to be withholding of my love. And we just we very often retract more than expand. Right. And then if you think about new relationships, oh, that's scary. How can I offer this to a stranger? I mean, everybody's a stranger at first, but it becomes this, uh, what blinders we have on. Absolutely. Truly. Absolutely. And as you were talking about strangers, it reminded me of something that happened two weeks ago when we were flying. And the stewardess, she's probably like 80. I just love her. I mean, really, she's the kindest, sweetest, cutest person. But more than that, she felt familiar to me, which is so strange and random. And she approached me and I was wearing a spiritually hungry hat. And she's like, oh, I love your hat. I love it. Where'd you get it from? How can I get it? Can I take a picture? She was telling me about her upbringing and that she was raised by a pastor who really believed in giving back. She has eight siblings and they were all raised in this way. And he was also a doctor and Anyway, she's like, really, I tell her, I told her what we do. And she's so aligned with that. And she's like, please send me information. And then the the entire flight, it was like a three hour flight. Every time she walked by my seat, she'd rub my arm or my shoulder or my head. But like with the most, like I felt that I had all the feelies, like it was familiar, right? I felt very nurtured. And I also was aware it was very strange. <laughs> and, uh, and that continued. And then when I left, she's like, please send me the information. Don't forget, she gave me your email address. On the return flight, who? what do you know? Judith is there again. And she brings me into the cockpit. And she's like, this is who I was telling you about. She's introducing me to the pilots. And again, throughout the flight. But no, to remind you, when we boarded, so this was to, when we entered the Spiritual Hungry Retreat in yes. Mexico, right? So right, this, this story you just told was on the way there. On the way back, we're go, getting on the plane. And another stewardess turns to us and says, somebody just showed me a picture of your hat. Right, right, right. And I, and I said, really? Is it Judith? She's like, yeah. And then, I, and then she popped out. So, and then when I got off the plane, she gave me the biggest hug, the longest hug. Like I, my soul definitely recognized her. And I, and I love that we live in this way because we don't take any of that for granted. And also the, the things that are challenging, the people that we meet that are, you know, that it wouldn't make sense any other way. We, we still, we have such an understanding and I do feel that there's growth and expansion any which way. So, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. So we've talk, spoken uh, so far about what regular reincarnation, right? So my soul, soul process, right? So my my soul achieves or doesn't a person's soul achieves doesn't achieve comes back another time to achieve more and or correct anything that needs to be corrected. There's another which I think both fascinating and inspiring, and again I hope we like make it terrifying. Very, well, not, not terrifying. Well, uh, but practical practical and important because that's the, the point of this of learning about this isn't isn't just to have more information, but for it to be practical. So there's a in the writings of the Kabbalists on reincarnation, there's a concept called Ibur. Ibur literally means uh, when a soul or a spark of the soul, somebody else's soul, enters and attaches itself to my soul. So let's talk so about it's a soul that doesn't have a body and is floating. Exactly. Like a spirit. Right. And goes into somebody else. Yes. Yeah, so this I'll, is terrifying. But well, yeah. Okay. Well, let's not, well, let's talk about the positive uh, first. <laughs> by the way, we probably all have experienced this, whether we were acknowledge it, we 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 experience we we know we're experiencing it or not. So I'll give you a story from the Zohar. So in the Zohar is that one of the one of the students 
his walks into his teacher, Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yachai, and the teacher says, he stands up in front, stands up for him. And he says, I see that you have within you the soul of Rabbi Pinchas ben another great soul who had departed, who had left this physical world. Tell me what you did today. And he shared that that day he had done an extreme act of kindness. And Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yachai says, oh, that makes sense, because Rabbi Pinchas ben his life was all around kindness. Mm. And when you do an action that emulates a positive action that emulates a great soul, it's possible for that soul to attach itself to you. Mm. For example, and again, this again, I don't want to get too weird, but you know, hopefully our, our listeners will enjoy this, but you know, we often go to spiritual sites. What are these spiritual sites? These are places where great souls, great uh, spirits uh, who left this physical world are buried. And why is it important? Why do we see that as part of our spiritual practice? Because it's possible, and this is really the purpose, when you go to the grave of a very elevated soul, you can get a piece, a spark of their soul. But it doesn't bore. stay with well, you. So there's, this can, I can talk about this for a long time. I'll just give maybe a, a, f- a quick understanding of how this works. So let's assume that's what happened, right? So I, I, I went to for example, to the grave of Rabbi Mechaz ben Yair, a great soul who spent his whole life uh, focused on sharing. I go there and I ask to get a spark of his soul. That spark of his soul will make me a more sharing person, will give me the inspiration, the awakening, the desire to be a more sharing person. And actually, it will help me. I can now, I am now stronger than I would have been otherwise. I am more inspired than I would have been otherwise. Wait, so because you have a desire, let's say, to connect at that place where there's a righteous uh, resting place, you get... So you connect, and then therefore you also get even more desire to go and to do that, good those, attached those actions, to that exactly, that, that exactly. person, and 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 that's sort and that's so spark. it's their energy, but it's I guess you're saying it's that's a spark exactly. And by the way, I feel that also when I go to my parents' uh, resting place in Israel, that I, and this is my request when I go there. And by the way, and this is I'm I'm assuming many of our listeners maybe have experienced it, maybe having put words to it, but that's also the concept of Ibur, when you go to a pair of a parents resting place the goal is there to get a spark of their soul to help you grow and 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 be inspired to do more and so on that that's always but but what i request and also often feel that i receive from there so that type of ibord which means that type of spark of soul that you receive either from visiting a place where they are or even studying right so so the kabbalists teach when you study from a teacher even if he or she is departed you're reading from their words there's actually a, a connection that occurs between your soul and theirs. You can actually get an ibur, a, a, a spark of their soul into yours by studying their wisdom. That's the reason we, when wherever we're inspired by reading the, the words of, a, of, a, of an elevated soul, is because we're getting a spark of their soul. That's beautiful. Now, so yes. that's when you want that. Well, you invited that, right? You're, you're searching for connection. Right. But right. What, what about when you have a visitor that you don't want? Well, that that that's not an ibur. That's something else, which we can get into. But I do want to. Aren't there just some spirits that float around that haven't found a body in this right, lifetime? Right, right. And if a per- so, okay, so this is a little bit off topic, but I'll. I'll I don't know. I think it's. I'll share a story. It is fascinating, but I I don't want to scare any of our listeners. So so for example, there's a story about one of the great Kabbalists who had a student, and he told the student, "Don't." Whose student was going? He knew where he was traveling. He said, "Don't go this route." And the student didn't listen to his teacher. Why do students? And he and he went through that route. Not only, and that day he was very very angry. And when he came back to his teacher, he, he wasn't feeling so well. And 
his teacher, the Ari, said to him, he says, I told you, I knew, you could tell right away, that number one, he went through that path, number two, he wasn't in a great consciousness when he did, and he got a spark of a not a positive soul. So, and he helped him how to, how to remove that, but that's the idea. We are, you know, and again, not to You're scare our listeners. You're saying a person, it, it depends also what consciousness they're in, and of what course. state they're in, whether they have the protection to ward that off or not. Of course. By the way, this happens both with people who are no longer in this world, it also happens with people who are in this world. When you're around people, you're getting of their energy. Now, you can ingest that, or you can, if you're in a place, if they're, assuming they're a, neg- they're a negative person doing something negative, you can take that energy upon yourself as well. So that that is a, a, a reality, that there are negative, there's negative energies all around all the time. And one of the reasons you want to maintain a high level of consciousness, a high level of being, is because you don't want to uh, create an opening for any of that negativity to attach. That so that, but but on the positive side, I'll, I'll leave it there. Yes. I won't unpack that. On the positive side, it's important to realize, and this is a teaching. Again, I hope it's not too deep or too complicated. But the Zora teaches that one cannot grow from one level to the next. One cannot really grow in this world without the assistance mm-hmm. of souls that have left this world. And therefore, when, that's the importance of study. That's the importance of study. That's the importance of doing actions that emulate uh, great souls. But but yes, study is probably, and that's why again the Talmud says something very interesting, which can be understood when once you understand the concept of ibur. Whenever you study from somebody, a high soul, you should actually envision them standing in front of you and teach, saying those words to you. Mm. So not that you're reading from a book, but that they're actually you envision their. If you can envision, if you knew who they were, but if you don't, you just envision their soul teaching these words to you. Why? Because then you get a spark of their soul, an ibur of their soul, and it elevates you. It elevates you, and by the way, it will stay with you as long as you maintain consciousness, as state. long as you, main, you maintain that state, and then, and then it can leave. So, But this, then you would then are in a different state, and you can stay at that state as long as you continue to pursue. Right, right, and it can grow, and you could study tomorrow, and it grows even more. And I think, again, like I said, I think this is both a very inspiring uh, uh, understanding the why we need to study from, from great souls who are, that are here or are no longer here, why it's important to maintain higher consciousness, why it's important not to open ourselves up to any type of negative uh, uh, energies that are around us. The other very interesting aspect of Ibur is there are souls that need correction. So let's say, but these souls are going to be souls of people from within my my soul group, right? So it could, right? So maybe, like we said before, the maybe my, my root of soul, maybe my son from a previous incarnation, maybe my wife from a previous incarnation, and they need something to correct, right? So they're they're almost corrected, but let's say they need they, they they needed to share with this person, or they needed to do this one action, right? They and if I am close to them, and I am in the in the vicinity, the ability to do that action, they might enter oh, into nice. my soul so that I can help them elevate. So I'll use an example to make it more practical. So the soul of, let's say, a mother who needs, who, who's only missing correction is that her son is in trouble or needs help. And so they can use me as a, so that soul might enter me because it knows that I am close to or have interactions with, with the person who was her soul, her son in a previous incarnation. Again, I hope this is, but is now, no, yes. And and so so their soul might enter into me, and that person might come to me today and say, "Can you help me?" Now, it's not just my choice. I have to realize there are other souls riding on me, right? That I need to grab this opportunity. 
So we spoke before about why things aren't coincidental as it relates to my correction. Now we understand that it's also other souls that we're helping as we go through life. And the more we grow and the more we elevate, the more of these sparks, these these spirits that need help that come into our into our souls, and we are have the responsibility to then help them. Really funny as you were speaking, very often this happens to me where somebody that I know in one context of my life, not even, you know, what we do, will come in and ask me, can you help this person? Or from all over, right? And I always say yes, obviously, but it's so interesting when you look at it this way, right? Is that that person that is random is not even interested in spirituality, but knows kind of well, can you help and talk to this person who again I don't even know and and ha- came from like a back door side entrance. Absolutely it's so no coincidence. And and to add hopefully inspiration to want to push ourselves to help more than again in, in not just for ourselves but for the souls that might be depending on us to help them correct when we do that we get light we get elevation and we actually need that fuel to grow so i think the the bottom line in this concept of ibur is whether it's a, a positive spark that i got that i got from an elevated soul that can help me grow but that i need to continue to grow in order to hold on to that or it's a spark of a soul that has attached itself to me so that I can help him elevate. Hopefully what this does to all of us as we begin to understand this, or continue to understand this, is grab the opportunities. Whether you're doing it because you need it, or whether you're doing it because there's another soul connected to you that needs it. Especially if it doesn't make sense. Especially, but, but yes, but grab every opportunity because they are not coincidental, and you don't know if they're, if they'll ever come back again. Do you have an example from a time where you felt you were being called in that way? I think it happens to me a lot. I think, but like something far out, like because I know we've had those where, like, what, what, where did that, how did that, why did that just happen? But then it, it's so weird that it becomes clear that it was something like this. Well, for me, it's every time I hear about a coincidental inspiration from something we said. Like, you know, you hear the story where somebody said, you know, I was. You know, I was at dinner with friends, and I heard something on the podcast, and I shared this with them, and this was their reaction. You can't, you can't imagine how much it impacted them. To my like, mind, to my mind, though that that chain are souls that I am connected to, and I I needed that person to share that from the podcast and inspire that person. I needed that. So when you start, really, for me, the the secret of reincarnation is really making practical and and visceral the connectedness. Of all the souls that we come in contact with, and all the souls that we interact with, and again, you don't have a choice. It's funny. It reminds me of that story. I remember, I only it came full circle actually, like two months ago. It was a woman that I had met ten years ago through a, a common friend who I didn't really know very well either. And she's like, "Can you please go meet this person? She is having she had a brain aneurysm." The removed part of her skull and she it was like in the dish next to us as we were in this meeting and she couldn't leave her house obviously and she had to, she had a helmet on and and she's like I need to wait till the swelling goes down and then they're going to put the skull back together and I was I mean this is I I was a different person for sure 10 years ago we're always changing but we had this meeting she impacted me for sure I think I hope I impacted her and then I we lost touch right Cut to like two months ago, we're at a friend's uh, screening for his documentary, and I was in the bathroom and I'm washing my hands. And I remember I came out after and I was like, I don't know what's going on. There's two people, two separate people in the bathroom. 
And I just felt some kind of energy. Like, I don't know, they were looking at me. I always assume somebody has like an opinion. And I'm not really sure what it is, but I, I felt something and I, I didn't know where it was from. And a few hours later in the evening, it's the end of the evening. And I see that one of the people staring at me again. And she's like, oh my God, that's Monica. Monica Berg, oh my God, I'm so-and-so. And do you remember me? And she said, you came over to my house 10 years ago when I had part of my skull removed. She goes through the whole story and I had had an aneurysm and I was terrified. I was so scared. I didn't know what was gonna happen. You sat with me and you know what you told me? He said, fear is not an option. And I said, oh my God, I wrote that book now. <laughs> and I didn't know I was gonna write that book at the time. And, and that was a teaching your father taught me, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, and I have to tell you that in the last 10 years, I have taught that to so many people. And I said, a girl named Monica Berg taught this to me. <laughs> and then it came full circle, that whole story. And then you think about how we're all connected from your father, my teacher, who taught me that when I was going through a struggle and I was terrified, to then me passing along to somebody else who's now passed along to like a hundred people in the last 10 years. And I've written that book. And it's I think it's such a complete example of Wheels of a Soul, right? Beautiful. Of this, of this and, cycle. And the understanding is that that, uh, that, that that whole chain are connected souls that needed to hear that. that yeah. and, and when we don't grab those opportunities, who knows how many souls that we need their energy. And that's why, if, and I wouldn't have said no. But what if I said, no, I'm not going to go meet that person? I can't. Then that conversation wouldn't have happened. Exactly. I don't know if I would have kept thinking about that idea or written the book. And she certainly wouldn't have spread that to the people she had. Beautiful. And by the way, every time I say it, I feel that your father comes back to me. You know, every time I talk about anything that Ybor. he's taught me. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I think that's why your father wrote, called his book Wheels of a Soul, right? Absolutely. And in it, he shared that the principle of the wheel exists in every life form on earth. Water evaporates, but returns to earth as rain. Mountains become rocks, which become sand. Like everything becomes something else once again. Growth like the wheel has no beginning and no end. And to view life merely as a beginning and an end is like viewing a tree in a forest and saying there's only the one tree. And um, this is a quote from your mom, Karen, bring, bring him on. Karen said, if we lived with full knowledge of reincarnation and karma, we would become keenly aware of the significance of our actions and no longer have the feeling of being victims in a chaotic, whimsical world. Life would make much more sense and it would be infinitely more fulfilling. Beautiful. Thank you, Monica, for sharing that. And we all now got a spark of her soul. Bravo and Karen's. Yes, all of our listeners as well. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast and, and share it with all of your friends, family, Please send all of your comments, questions, and stories to Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. And also continue to spread the word of this podcast to everybody you know. Go to Apple Podcasts, write five-star reviews, and let everybody you know hear about this podcast. So that, as we said in this one, you can get all of their light, and we get all of that light in return. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. Stay spiritually hungry.